Welcome to the Oil and Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast with Sarah Stogner, where each weekly episode touches on legal and risk management issues impacting the energy sector. Visit our website at www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com for more information on today's episode, past episodes, and upcoming OGGN events. Today's episode is sponsored by ThoughtTrace, developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Good afternoon. This is Sarah. I am back this episode with James and Alessandro, and we're going to concentrate today on Alessandro and his aviation kind of knowledge and where the lessons learned from the aviation folks can come into play. So, Alessandro, I ask all of my guests, give me your elevator pitch. Okay. So, I'm Alessandro Biondi, and uh, I work with a technology company, Vision Monitor. My background is marketing and hospitality, and I know probably a lot of your listeners are going to be like, what's the connection there? There really isn't, so it's completely random. But I come, I look at things from the commercial perspective and the commercial perspective is not only trying to obviously sell make money and make money we all want to make money but because we are a solutions provider and we use technology and that's that's our vehicle to help our our clients and so my my background there is i started off with in the company as a business analyst and trying to find opportunities within with what we were doing in data and we have an interesting background because we looked at many different industries and have been in many different industries. And we just found that aviation has invested quite a lot on the on the safety aspects and the risk management side of things and investing in technology. Now, I'm not going to do any comparisons on which is better or which which has invested more, but the aviation have taken things and it's there's a lot of regulatory driven aspects of that and then also the industry that they're in so but i mean we just not too long ago had that southwest flight where the individual died and that was the first commercial fatality in the u.s in how long in nine years right and i'm pretty sure we can in the energy sector quickly think of nine people who have died unfortunately yesterday maybe in our industry certainly within the past few months so i think any as long as people are dying we've all all got lessons to learn right Uh, absolutely and uh, so, you know, where I would like to take is technologies and do kind of the Henry Ford thing is where you, you look, you combine many different techniques from many different industries to improve and create innovation within their perspective industry. Henry Ford didn't invent the assembly line. He used many different practices and just meshed them all together. And I think for us to operate in, in a heavy industry, I think using technology and using data and using the human interaction with uh, the technology systems, human systems and technology systems, I think we have a lot to learn within, you know, the the whole safety and risk management side. So. Yeah, and I'm mean, absolutely right. And so the energy sector, especially here in the Permian, I hear and go to presentations all the time where they talk about how this year's frac technology is exponentially better than last year's, which was exponentially better than last year's. I mean, so on the production side, at least, we're certainly smart enough and capable enough of continuing to improve on our technology. And as a result, we're gathering all this data now, right? 
So where do you think or, or what are some of the lessons learned from the data that aviation has taken to help improve their safety processes, their efficiencies of flights or however it works, right? How do we take some of those lessons or what have you seen in the data from the aviation that you think could be helpful in the energy sector? To answer that question, so there are many things that aviation has been do- is doing and has been doing. So aviation right now, I mean, one death in the past nine years, you can really tell this is an ultra safety environment. And we've been involved in some EU-funded projects with with universities there and, and interfacing the human side and the technology side. And the thing is the technology is a relatively new thing. When I talk about technology, I talk about data. Considering that I think IBM and McKinsey did a study that 90% of the data that we have today was developed only in the past two years. So there's so much of that data. The problem is, is sifting through all that relevant data and applying that data to a specific plan, to specific problems. So what aviation has been doing and has been really good in is from the regulatory perspective. Well, they, in other words, it was started because of regulatory demands. Is that what you mean? There has been a real good, I think, private and public partnership. Okay, makes sense. Which... You know, it's in everybody's interests, and you know, we were we had been talking off air about, you know, you see an aircraft every day. You look up in your sky, you're going to see one. It's there's a very social. Right. There's public reminders all the time, exactly of the general everyday Joe Schmo being exposed to airplanes. And so they have to, and also the risk of, you know, if if something's happening on an aircraft, depending on the extent of it. It's very risky when you've got it flying in the air. When you have something here on land and here on, you know, even offshore, things a lot can be mitigated a lot faster with not as much damage that could potentially. The worst case scenario of an airplane is you're falling out of is, the sky. Yeah, and there's no recovery from that. I mean, if but you know if something's happened on a rig and you know obviously there's big events that things happen that you can you can't mitigate for you know black swan events. So. They've been investing in, a, and you know, our clients is have been investing in black box. For example, if something is if something happened before, they would look at the black box. Well, obviously they still do. They look at the black box, find what happened, and then see if it's a systemic issue across the industry, and then they input regulations. Okay. But you know, that's you're putting a band aid in. In the previous episode, you were talking about. You know the insurance forms for a mom and pops, you know, outfit, and you you can't apply that to a large, a massive corporation, and and vice versa. So legislation can only go so far enough, and it also almost constrains companies. And where I think the the aviation has taken is more of also a philosophical approach that safety can also be a profit, and there are measures that have shown that. Whereas in the oil and gas side, there seemed to be somewhat of a resistance of looking at data because they think the data can be used against them. And, you know, it's, it's fair on, on, on that side because, you know, the oil and gas has, has a certain type of re- reputation where, you know, aviation is taking you to a, fan, you know, to a vacation, you know, it's taking you on a, on a business trip. There's positive connotations, there's experiences. Oil and gas, people don't see it every day. 
But right, people think of okay, it's gas for my car. They don't understand the petrochemical industry having an impact on every single thing that they come into contact with every exactly. day, right? Exactly. But so does the Let's go back to the black box for a second. So the aviation black box, do they only look at that when something bad happens? Or is the data that's taken from black boxes reviewed for operational improvements or where they can? So generally the black box is just a, it's a thing that's on the plane. To record data. And it records everything. Now there's various levels of, tech, of advancements within those black boxes, but Generally, the data doesn't come from there. It comes from many different systems, operational systems. And that's really more of an investigative tool. Okay. When something bad happens, that will record it. And now with various technologies of satellite and, you know, it's also data transfer to and from the airport. I know in the previous podcast, you were talking about cyber, you know, communicating with a plane, sending signal, being able to have a communication channel to and fro the aircraft. There's a lot of things that people would not be comfortable about because now you have unmanned aviation vehicles. Right, you've got. I mean, drones are a problem. Imagine someone on the on the ground hacking onto into a plane and being able to control its systems. Pretty where terrifying. The data is actually coming from. So it's kind of ter- it, it is terrifying. So, but I think probably the energy sector has the same type of risks with someone being able to hack into a drilling rig and take over drilling command. So on the. On the energy side, I think it's more of an opportunity because that's the when you're talking about like onshore, a lot of that information is really going to needed to be used in that location, and then can be reviewed for, for an investigation in terms of how can I, how did this pad perform, how how did this this operation perform? It can be used in in that sense. Right. So you don't have to wait until something bad happens. You can take the data. And understand, hey, we drilled this right. Re- we drilled this well at this ROP this time. And why did we get that that higher drill rate? Why were we able to complete this well on the same pad two days quicker than we were the last well? Right. So people are already starting to gather that kind of data. But how do you take that and then kind of tie it into the human element of well, the reason we had a, a more successful drill this time was because of a different mud operator. Is there a way or can we learn something from taking the data of who did what when and also looking at the maybe the the information that we derive from the systems, from the the different sources? Like where do you think that's all going? So there are gonna be Two eyes are going to be looking at that, that data. You're going to be looking at it from the safety and, and the risk side. So I know that that's kind of the theme of the, of the podcast. And then obviously the operational efficiency. And that's why I think the black box, the oil and gas industry can take the concept of the black box from the aviation, but they actually use it for efficiency rather than just being an investigatory tool when something bad happens. Right. So it's actually a positive. Right. Because it's a centralized repository of all the data. In, in aviation, you have the, the issue of vendor lock-in and where that data goes. And I've heard challenges, obviously, well, do you really want to know everything? Well, it really depends. I mean, it, like, you know. It, and I think generally people do because if you're doing the right thing exactly. and doing your best, then that's what the data is going to show. And the thing is, it is absolutely evident that there's so much data that, and a lot of people don't even know what to do with it. And it is... 
it is somewhat, I think it's a mix between a, g- a generational aspect that all this data is just overwhelming. And so it's not even contextualized. So they're looking at this vast ocean of data, but they don't have the ability to contextualize that. And I think with technologies like you know a black box, now it only throw out terms like artificial intelligence and, and oh, machine learning. Oh, you're really going to scare people now. I know, but uh, <laughs> you know, machine learning has existed for a while. It's just a marketer's you know tool or a marketer's how do you, how would you say? I think it's been misused as a scare yeah. tactic for sure, and people don't understand. But your iPhone has artificial intelligence when it knows that, for example, me and James from New Orleans, that when I spell Chapatulis on my phone, I really do mean Chapatulis <laughs> and I don't need it to autocorrect. I mean, that's a form of artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. It that, learns. That, it's machine learning. That's that machine, I'm, machine learning. Yeah. I'm intending to. And so I think oftentimes people go, oh, okay, well, that's not scary. Maybe it is scary. But as an industry, we can take that and say somebody's doing a new type of frack and say, no, we, we realize that now once we're having, we're doing something and we're getting good results that we want to be able to capture that and say, oh yes, when we do this, we mean to do this. And why did we do this? Because the experienced drilling guy on location was able to see based on what he was getting back in the mud logs that he wanted to continue doing what he was doing. And if the machine is tracking this, it can take all the other data points and understand beyond, right? And kind of take that level of experience of a, of a mud engineer that's been out there for 30 years and help train the green guys, right? If we, if we start learning about it. Absolutely. And it's all circling back to safety and risk. Because if you have, if you have better information, then you can operate a lot more efficiently because you're not pushing the envelope to try to hit a deadline. So if you take a step back and look at your data, what is your data telling you? Then you can react in the right way and reduce the risk because the risk can, risk is not only trips and falls. Risk is financial risk. It's It can be reputation. Right. So when we look at risk and the definition of risk, you know, we speak to that. And even though you're looking at all this technology can be used for many different things. It's still reducing your risk. Is Vision Monitor going into energy? Through Oasis. Okay. Oasis is our energy arm. Okay. So how do you want to bridge? How can I introduce that for you without... In other words... Just say, I know, you, you know you've been working with an energy partner, like-minded energy partner... So you guys from the aviation industry, right, and and the technology that you've been providing for years for the aviation industry are now segueing that into the energy sector. Can you tell me a little bit about that and where you're going and where where you see the most opportunity right now? So yeah, we we actually have been looking and you know we're we're based in Houston. Most of our clients in are, are in Europe. We have some petrochemical clients that we deal with. We're looking in our backyard and saying, well, actually. We're not even in energy. We, we need to circle back and think. So you could s- just move your headquarters over to Europe. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm we kidding, could. That, <laughs> that, that's that's a that's a decision that you don't you don't want to move to you don't want to move to Paris. Well, I I'm from Europe. I came all the way. Yeah, over it's here not to exciting. This, this is exotic, so, yeah, right? <laughs> so we we started working with and we came across a company called Oasis, and headed by a very intelligent engineer, and he had some technologies that we recognized immediately 
that we could mesh our technologies and lessons learned to then real really provide value and and different technologies because it's st- it's not only data instrumentation but for a purpose and and a focus because when you talk about data streams there's so many data companies and providers and dashboards and but it's the application that is really the true value and and the partnerships that you develop with with industry and so we've we're building these technologies to then take out to the oil field and the oil patch with a mentality that's taken from the aviation side but then mixed with the business and operational complexity that oil and gas has Oil and gas changes so fast because of the technologies. You, you want to get, you want to drill faster and deeper, and from because we're always asked, what are the comparisons between energy and who's who's safer? Who's that? you know? It's so difficult because you have twenty year old planes that are still flying. Right, planes and haven't changed that much over it, the past twenty ex- years. Exactly. So when you're talking about technology advancements, oil and gas, I think you know we're now we're drilling in parts of the world that we've never even thought we could. They even existed, 30,000, right. 40,000 right. uh, meters deep. And three foot, la- I mean, three foot, three mile laterals. Right. So we've partnered with with Oasis and the technology is there that we're very convinced and we're getting justifications that the industry is starting to move and adopt and be a lot more open-minded to these these kind of things. And that's where, where insurance can absolutely learn. And this is this is what I was interested in as, as well because we already, we already saw that insurance company underwriters were talking to aviation companies and looking at what kind of systems data systems they were having and how were they were how they were monitoring their risk and their safety from a day-to-day perspective and there was a lot of success between the those those kind of developments and i think this is where also insurance needs to get involved in the whole data stream especially with an oil in oil and gas well and then that kind of segues nicely. James, you guys as brokers actually can go in and look at some of the data that an Oasis or somebody like this collects and help the policyholder understand where their biggest risks are, right? I think we talked at lunch about the the trucking guy and you realize every time there's an accident, it's because of X. So can you explain that a little bit? Right. So, I mean, insurance is, right. I mean, we, we talk about, right, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Those are kind of new terms for old ideas. Insurance is basically the original big data, right? Going back to ships crossing the Atlantic in the 1600s, you know, we were losing one out of every four ships. How do we kind of cover for that? You know, what kind of profit do we need to make per ship to make up that difference? I mean, that was big data back before that term was used. So certainly, you know, based on what we have, and you know, you've been involved on the claim side, Sarah, everything comes out in a claim dispute, right? Like we get down to very detailed information. And it's kind of the same issue of with all this data that we're getting, what kind of trends can we draw out of it, right? So I think that's an ongoing process that's been, you know, three, 400 years and counting, but certainly the pace has picked up recently is now that we have the ability to get all this data, what do we do with it? And I think... You know, certainly the industry trying to figure that out as well. And so theoretically, James, I mean, if we've got the Oasis or whoever it is in the energy sector that's collecting this data and we're able to track blowouts and if a black box of drilling, right, if we've got a drilling rig out there and we've got a blowout, if there was a black box that we could pull and analyze that data to find out what happened on the rig, like we find out when a airplane crashes, right, to help make sure that we don't have another blowout, that as an industry, 
everyone wins. We've got less fatalities, less injuries, less property damage, less payouts by the insurance companies, lower premiums for the policyholders. I mean, is there any downside to to learning from our losses? I think it's time, right? I mean, time is always that last resource. And it's, you know, it's great that, you know, James or his firm or, you know, some company out in, in London is willing to sit down and do the math. But we need kind of the clients, the, the policyholders that feed us that information. And once you're throughout the trends, you know, sit down and figure out what are the trends. And at this point, if I've got the guys out in the field, what do we do as far as getting those guys to do something different than what they were doing before? And that's something where as a broker, we kind of run into that wall of, you know, based on the information, like very fact-based, very detailed analysis. At the end of the day, right, that team of 20-year-olds running around out there, who's going to get it to that last mile of getting that change to actually happen? Well, a group of 20-year-olds running around is never a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Unless you're part of that group, right? Well, it hey, was a great right? time. Right. It was fun with being 20 and running yeah, around, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, there isn't any downside. Now, that's from an idealist, from, from a very practical standpoint, it's like James was saying, it's a matter of time, but I think it's also a matter of collaboration and expertise and applying technologies and applying, you know, even thoughts from the, insur- from the insurance side. I think the, from the insurance side, it has to absolutely be bo- brought into the, into the discussion of how to use this data because- Ultimately, it's a win-win situation from all from all parties. When you reduce the risk, you can not only from it will have an impact on the premiums from the and the underwriters. They have less risk risk per. What would be the correct term when you're evaluating a client and their risk? Is it their risk profile? Yeah, risk profile. So well, and it's all bigger part of the underwriting process. And then you're you're you maybe estimate maybe in five years this company would have an incident that would require a payout, right? Right, and I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we Lost really history. do want Lost there to be yeah, we really do want there to be no accidents, right? Like we only exist because accidents are going to happen regardless, so we're going to be there. But like, I will not, like, I will find something better to do if we can get the actual, you know, injuries and accidents down. Exactly. And so yeah, like we're very much focused on the accident prevention, not so much the the premium calculations. So that see that's interesting. That, that kind of mentality matches a lot of what we're we're trying to do, and I think a lot of data pro- providers would like to do is you know you're not you're not going to you're not going to prevent things that you don't even know could happen. The black swan, the, the you know coining the term black swan events. You're not you're not going to eliminate those. Those are always going to happen. New technologies are always going to be built. But what you can do is help companies become a lot more sustainable and to survive those black swan events by listening and learning from those smaller events that you kind of disregard. Well, and as Beyonce would say, you got to make lemonade out of lemons, right? Right, So you have a bad event, the least we can do is learn from it. And if we didn't know, we didn't know. But having the information there to then go and pull and have those tech gurus that can look at the data and make sense of it, because that's not what the oil and gas companies are in the business of, right? They're in the business to drill wells. But the information that they gather in the process can certainly be helpful from my standpoint as a lawyer of mitigating risk in the future 
lowering claims costs and litigation so that you're not fighting about what happened. We pull the information and we know what happened. Then we're not fighting about it, right? So I think it's definitely some really exciting stuff that's going on. And I'll tell you what, we just went to the SPE conference a few weeks ago in Houston that they did a great job. It was the first one, I think, for tech in the energy sector. And it was the first SPE conference I've ever been to where the average age in the room was probably 35. And it was really exciting to see the future of our industry excited about the possibility of technology and marrying uh, and really having a collaboration between who we think of as non-typical energy companies Right. You you don't think of tech and energy necessarily, Mm -hmm. although I'm sure I've got some friends in Austin who would vehemently disagree with me. But there's some opportunities here. And if we would just kind of get out of the dinosaur age of we're drillers and we're this is what we do. And it's not that we're changing the way we do business, maybe just changing the way we let others help us do our business. Does that make sense? Yeah. The landscape is changing. And also, you know, from even trained professionals and that before you you learn by working on the rig now you go to university you become an engineer a lot of the technologies that you're using even throughout your your education are technologies that didn't exist maybe 30 years ago but then you still need those that experience from the say the older guys because they you know it's that mechanic syndrome that the older mechanic can listen to an engine and pretty much tell what's wrong with it without have taken out a computer and looking at it. a lot of mechanics today will probably have to take out the computer. And that's not one is better or the other. It's just the technologies and that exist today. You have to adapt. So right. The mud engineer that can give it a whiff, swirl it around exactly. and, and realize, oh, this is exactly what's wrong. But then the muds, mud has changed or well, yeah. uh, maybe not mud specifically, but the technologies, the pumps have changed. Absolutely. The additives have changed every day. Yeah. And the thing is, I think technology will bridge it, needs to bridge that gap and will bridge that gap. But and, it's not uh, something to be afraid of. It's something probably to embrace. It's, uh, I think it's absolutely to be embraced. Okay. So James gave us insurance predictions last episode of cyber and employment practices. What do you think are some technology that's, that's really going to be emerging in, in the next year or so for the energy sector? Well, one of the things in terms of t- specific technologies, I, I'll speak to the data side. I, I do think the evolution of blockchain technologies are going to be uh, a an important tool. I, now, I don't know if it's going to be the sexiest or the star technology that's going to come out. But I think it's 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 one that many won't un, don't understand. They see it, you know, blockchain is directly to Bitcoin. Right, cryptocurrency, everyone. But it is actually a very important tool because, you know, a lot of the data issues and, and cyber threats and blockchain is somewhat of a safeguard because you stick your technology, your data stream in the blockchain it can't be tampered with. Right. Well, you, and, and from a litigation standpoint, and I'm sure, James, from an insurance standpoint, it's nice to know that when I request information from someone that it hasn't been tampered with, that my data hasn't been altered either unintentionally or intentionally to make things look better, right? So not only taking the data and understanding the data, but preserving the data in a way that's immutable and can't be modified. Exactly. You look at a recipe, if you've never cooked before 
and you're looking at all these ingredients, I could have given you a recipe that had poison in it, but you've never used poison. So, you know, it's you have to be confident in the information that you're receiving to make the right decisions within your operations. I hear cyanide has a very nice uh, umami. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Almost <laughs> almond, right? Yeah, right, yeah there you go. <laughs> Well, well, very interesting. And, you know, I think probably another episode that would be great is for us to get someone that's a blockchain guru in to look because it's in the energy sector, not only from the data preservation standpoint, but I know that my insurance nerds are have been on the lookout for the use of blockchain in insurance. And it's already it's already started. And I think it's just going to continue to evolve and make us all better and uh, safer. Like every everything, technology is makes us only better. Well, thank you. Right. And join us next time. Thank you very much. If you guys could do me a favor and like, leave a review for this podcast, that's the best way for us to get exposure and let other people discover how much fun we can have reviewing insurance and risk management issues. Mm-hmm.